0: What's up, church planters and all you fans of church planting? My name is Jared Huntley, and I'm with my good friend and fellow planter in arms, Matt Hess. And you guys are listening to In the Trenches, a podcast by everyday church planters for the everyday church planter. So whether you're a lead church planter or you're on a church planting team or you're just a fan of church planting, then this podcast is for those of you who want to get in the trenches and advance the kingdom of God. We're going to be continuing with part two of our interview with Brian O'Day, the executive director of the Praetorian Project. We left off last week in the midst of a great conversation, and we're really excited about part two of this interview today, so I hope you guys enjoy. Brian, one of the things we ought to, I'd love to kind of talk, chat with you a little bit more offline about this. Uh, cause one of the things that I'm starting to to see about DC, you talk about, you know, how, uh, Okinawa trying really hard to bridge that gap between military and civilian. And what's so interesting about DC is that it does seem like it's actually much easier to bridge that gap here because most of the military personnel are, this is a unique duty station for them. It's not your typical duty station. You're literally in the middle of a it's large not fleet. No. No, you're in the middle of uh. a large metropolitan city. And so most of these guys are uh, there. You know, some of them are living on on base here, like at, at uh, j and place like that. But a lot of them are not. They're just living in normal neighborhoods and all of their neighbors are civilians. And so I think they've. You know, they're active duty, uh, you know, like one of our elders right now, he's an active duty, uh, Marine officer, but you wouldn't know it if you ran across it. Well, hey, actually, yeah, you would. He's <laughs> you, you pretty much know a Marine, but he, but the way right. that the way he, you know, like he lives in a neighborhood surrounded by you know other civilians and he, you know, uh, you know, has a wife and, so, a, and a daughter and you know, he just kind of yeah. does his thing. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. So you're, you're, you're really seeing the point of why we don't do. And by the way, man, Matt, I'm stealing that. We're looking for unity, not uniformity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wrote that down. So we're going to be stealing that, but. Um, I probably heard it somewhere. I'm, yeah, I'm probably.
2: sure it's Jared probably said it and I
1: got it from him. Yeah. No, that's good. Maybe I said it and it worked its way back to me. And I think I'm that's like, why it was. sounds really good. Like, yeah. That's great. No, uh, so Man, that's a good point. That, that kind of shows the, the difference of the different areas. You're right. All your guys, everybody in Northern Virginia, not everybody, but most of the service members in Northern Virginia, Washington, DC, they, they work office jobs. Yep. Um, and so they are. They wake up in the morning, they go to work, they come home. Yep. Um, in Camp Lejeune, Camp Pendleton, Fort Bragg, Fort Hood, uh, these types of places that's not at all what's happening. Nope. They're, they're fighting Marines, they're fighting soldiers and they go to the field for weeks and months at a time. They deploy, they, um, they're gone for months at a time on deployments. Uh, for a long time, it was combat deployments. Now a little bit less combat deployments, but, uh, one thing middle America probably doesn't realize is how much combat deployments are still happening. And, uh, um, right. We just don't talk about it on Fox news as much anymore, yeah. but, um, Yeah. So it is different. It's very different. And so you should be able to... So there's really two different ways to bridge the gap, right? So in DC, you bridge the gap because, hey, let's learn about one another. What's it look like to work in the Pentagon where you're making decisions that affect worldwide operations of the United States military? Mm -hmm. Okay. What's it look like to work in a senator's office? What's it look like to work as a street sweeper cleaning up behind all these... Uh, mm. these people what's it look like to you know i don't i don't know all the occupations you have but yeah. but let's learn about it and learn about the the joint struggles and challenges that are there right and so it, it's there's the similarities are probably more profound yeah. here honestly um the civilians i want to help them understand how they can actually be helpful in what is a Really challenging season of life. Um, deployments are really challenging; uh, they they challenge everyone, and we can actually get people behind the military from kind of pulling the American string, um, but and the patriotism string, but really helping Christians understand: no, 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 we need to minister to these folks. Mm-hmm. Um, they're in our backyard. We have to carry the gospel to them. I don't know what brought them to my backyard, but I trust that my responsibility, just like Paul sitting in prison, my responsibility is to proclaim the gospel to them. One of the ways that I promote the gospel to them is by caring for them in this really difficult season of life so that I can share the words of the gospel to them, mm-hmm. uh, when they have ears to hear. And so, um, it, it it's different. You just, it, it, you know, you have to understand what your community is, what are those bridges and how can you uh, promote the gospel within those bridges? Man, I, that that's so good. I,
2: I think about all the opportunities that a congregation that was That was like living on mission. That was really trying to be the hands and feet of Jesus. All the different opportunities you would have to serve families and wives and all that kind of stuff. And we talked, Jared and I just literally talked about this last week, about how we've outsourced the things that the church should be doing to the government. And you see some of that in the military as well. Like, I, you know, I remember it was like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, you can go to this service and go to that service. And, yeah, I mean, uh, the Marines, I'm sure Jerry went in the army. They had all kinds of great services to serve the members. But the church should be stepping up and doing some of that stuff, you know. And, um, man, I, I I wanted to ask you. So, sorry, yeah, let me just
1: yeah. on one topic. I'll just pick it up. We'll pick eight on that. But uh, so counseling, right? Um, the government. Is hiring lots of counselors, and they should be because there is, like I said, this is a hard life. The active yeah. duty military deployment cycle is a hard life, yeah, and it creates strain on families, marriages, interpersonal, like just in their own mind, anxiety, depression, post-traumatic stress, all. Uh, all the things and um, the church should at least have a voice into that, if not a primary voice. And so to help some of those things. So mm-hmm. uh, just one of those things, but you know, the government keeps hiring more and more and more counselors to try to solve this problem. Uh, all the mm-hmm. statistics are still going in the wrong direction, mm-hmm. uh, Man, uh, but the church cute. has the ultimate answer to mm-hmm. this. Um, and uh, I don't know if we'll ever change the tide of the stats, but, um, we should, we can definitely change the tide of individual lives. And we've seen that happening. Yeah. We were just yeah, literally man. praying That's this great. morning
0: on our, well, in our week of prayer. One of our topics was, you know, that 20, right now, 22 service members veterans a day are committing suicide. Right. Um, and so we're praying as a church, you know, how can we, um, how can we try to practically meet that need? And, you know, even if we just help a few, what can we do as a church uh, to, you know, Yeah, to do that. And I know you had a conversation with Brian Collison recently about it, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Man,
1: I don't know why it's so simple, um, (laughs) but it has been life-altering for me a little bit. And uh, I pray that if others, I'm telling everybody about this idea, to be honest with you, uh, any platform I'm given. Uh, So... Twenty-two a day. We've I've heard recently. I think that number's climbing. Twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five. <laughs> Probably a really hard stat to get your arms around is mm-hmm. so the number of suicides of our veterans. And uh, Brian Collison, uh, the planter at Pillar Church in Woodlawn, uh, uh, in Alexandria, Virginia, he said, "Man, his goal is to touch twenty-two veterans a day, mm-hmm. shake shake their hand, look wow. them in the eye." Ask them how they're doing, and so what he does is he goes to the USO and he walks around and shakes hands, asks people how they're doing. Mm. If he sees uh, if he sees a homeless guy that has hey vet help me out, he walks up, hears their story, shakes their hand, asks them how they're doing. So he try his goal. He's like I don't get it every day, but his goal is to touch twenty two veterans. Wow. Um, I've modified it a little bit for me. My goal is to have a full conversation with at least one a day, um, mm. which is, which is beyond. So I, I will check in on people, man. I'll, I'll scroll through my Facebook and see somebody that looks like they're reaching out. that was a guy that I used to, I used to, I, I led in combat mm. or, um, or a former member of the church or whatever else. And, and I just have a running list. I was able, yesterday, I talked to a guy who veteran Marine, he was part of our church. We removed him from our church for uh, non-participation because yeah. it just fell off the radar. And he was going through some real stuff and we pursued him and pursued him and pursued him. And he just did not want to be pursued. Yeah. And, um, and, and so that was three, almost four years ago. He calls me like yesterday. And, uh, so I cheated cause he called me, but, uh, he calls me yesterday. He said, Hey, Hey pastor, I just want to tell you, um, that you were doing the right things. You were trying to pursue me. I didn't want to be pursued. Um, I was living my life for myself, but I want you to know that I've turned from that. Uh, I got baptized a couple months ago. Um, and, uh, I'm a member of a church church is healthy. He said, but I, as I've been walking through this journey, I just feel compelled over and over and over again that I need to reach back to the church that was trying to pursue me four years ago and I didn't want to be pursued. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it was just good to hear that he was doing well. uh, And uh, it was good. I actually, yesterday I also reached out. um, I was texting with one of my old Marines uh, that I was in Afghanistan with and um, just seeing how he's doing, checking in on -hmm. him. Man, that's amazing, bro. Golly.
2: That's a, that's a super, that's a super practical way just to encourage and, and motivate and golly, I love that, man. That's, that's good, man. I, I, I'm sure we're getting Close on time, but um, I, I wanted to ask you uh, along the same lines of what you and Jared were talking about. That when people think of Praetorian Project, I mean, you, I know there's that tension, like people think military, right? Because it's around military bases stuff, but it's not exclusive military. And I don't know if you have the numbers, Brian, but like a good bit of people, they 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 come in. I mean, they're in for four years, eight years. Maybe they, they do two enlistments or whatever, and then they, they process out. You know, they transition out into civilian life or whatever it may be. And I, I don't. I think sometimes when we think about, you know, churches around military installations, we think, like, you know, the, the, the guy or the gal that's in it for, like, 20, 30 years and then retire. But um, maybe you could speak into – I just – I think back on times when, like, you've got young men and women who are between the ages of like 17, 18 to like 28 that are single. And, and that's like their most formative years in terms of like making disciple, I would argue it's actually like between the ages of like zero to nine, but you know what I'm saying? But like the, they, they've got a foundation of like leadership and doing the right thing, integrity, being honorable some of them right you know they're supposed to they're they're supposed to get that but like i I just wonder about that 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 segment is fascinating to me because i think like man what an opportunity to disciple those young men and women and that's that's like your harvest field right i mean and and how you can maybe speak into that i that that would be really good
1: yeah so um It's interesting. This kind of goes into the different locations as well. So uh, I would assume that most of the service members in Washington, DC are career service members, right? right. For me, that's not the case. It it is our demographic. The 18 to 25 year old singles uh, is the number one demographic in in my county, 18 Mm -hmm. to 25 year old single men. And so it is, it's formative years. um, And the last stat I saw, this is this is a couple years old, but the last stat I saw was that uh, for Marine Corps specific, um, of all the people that join, only 17% uh, make it to 20 years. And so that means, check my math, I think that's 83% of people that join don't do 20 years. They, they do 4 years or 8 years or 6 years, and then they get out and they go do something else. And so, uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it, it's formative. It It is not, I mean, if they do four years, uh, that is about like college. So they either, some go to college for four years, some go for six years, uh, and get four year degrees. I don't know how that works out, but, um, <laughs> some of the present company might fall in that. I don't know. But, uh, so we, um, So that's formative years Uh, guys that just went straight from high school to college. They're, they're going to look at their college years and that that's formative years guys that, you know get right out of high school and go in the military that's formative years like you said it's it's very formative for me it was i was saved at 20 years old halfway through college and so that demographic uh, the the years from 18 to 22 for me were very pivotal like i was going in one direction god grabbed me turned me around and put me in another direction and so um i am drawn towards that age group more than any other age group um and we, you can make an argument about every age group, to be honest, but yeah. it's big. You are choosing what you want to be when you grow up. You are probably getting married and yeah. you might. And in Jacksonville, you have your first three kids by 25. I don't know why. We get married and have kids <laughs> young around here. But yeah. um, you know, all those things potentially could happen. First job, <laughs> move away from mom and dad, get married, have a kid. And there's right. a lot of transition right there mm. in, uh, in a pretty short period of time.
2: I just think it's so interesting because, you know, the, the, as these young folks, they uh, sometimes you get out four years, eight years, and you look back on as it, like, yeah, I'm a veteran now, and I did some good things, but I don't know, maybe it's kind of like wasted years in a lot of ways, right? If you're not in Christ, and 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 then I just think about the opportunity they're they're going to go back to you know, West Virginia, they're going to go back to Oklahoma. They're going to, you know, God forbid, go back to Texas, you know, a place like Texas, they have to go back yeah. to Texas, you know, <laughs> but like California or wherever it might be, you know, and they're going to, they're going to be sent out all over the place. Yeah. And I just think it's such a cool opportunity, man. So yeah, man. it's great, man. Gosh, yeah. it's exciting to hear the stuff you guys are doing.
0: So yeah, Brian, um, it's- interesting, you know, hearing you just talk, because one of the thoughts that came to my mind was how, um, you know, each, each military installation kind of almost has like its own personality, you know, because you've got, you know, for various reasons, like there's different MOSs and there's different schools and things like that at all the different posts. And so you've got people, you know, at different stages of life. Like I know, for example, here in DC at eighth and I, uh, you've got, uh, uh, a bunch of young Marines who are fresh out of boot camp. And they're coming and they're either in guard company or they're, you know, in silent drill platoon or, you know, something like that. And these are kids who are you 19, 20 years old, uh, literally uh, haven't even been to the fleet yet. Like they're just straight from boot camp. And so that's an interesting, you know, experience for them in and of itself, because a lot of them are, you know... uh, probably a little bit disappointed by that you know because like they join the marines to fight right like they're they're like ready to go and then they get sent to washington (laughs) dc in the middle of a city but then you've also got like the marine corps band that's a whole nother part of the marine corps where these are uh, people who are going to be stationed in dc forever and their their marine corps experience is just light years different from somebody who's at camp pendleton or you know camp lejeune and so uh you know and then you've got uh, you know, other places where, like, uh, um, you know, we've got that this church isn't in the Praetorian project, but we've got, you know, some friends who started a church in Annapolis where the Naval Academy is. And so mm-hmm. they've got a certain demographic coming there. These are young, uh, you know, men and women training to be officers in the Marine Corps and the Navy. And, uh, you guys have, you know, you just kind of talked about the culture. So like, I, I guess, uh, talk about maybe, um, why it's important for us to really understand that because like what we don't want people to think is that like the, that the Praetorian project is like this mold that we want to just force onto every single culture. Uh, You really do have to let the culture kind of shape who you become as a church in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah. So this is um, this is loving and understanding the community where you find yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so if you find yourself in a place where there are a large number of people doing one specific occupation, then uh, you do well as a pastor church planter to understand that and find the challenges uh, that you're going to have to overcome and the opportunities that you can uh, take advantage of. And so yeah. you're right. It, and, and I think that's, that's one of the challenges I think is, you know, I grew up, no, did not know anything about the military. Uh, I, I grew up in Southern Delaware. There was mm-hmm. not really a military base anywhere nearby. And so um it, I think a lot of people think, oh, military, right? And so it's all like one big glob in their mind. Uh, But then, like you say, it's all different. It's different. The services are different. Man, I got a buddy uh, that's also um, part of the SEND network and um, church planning and military communities as far as that goes. Not part of the Praetorian Project, but just a guy I've gotten to know for a while. He's at uh, an Air Force base. And his guys, they fly from from the States and they, they fly all over the world and then come back home. Mm -hmm. So their deployments are, you know, 24, 48 hours at a time. Uh, but they're flying all over the world and coming straight back and Mm -hmm. staying at home. And so that's kind of a weird dynamic. That's different Mm -hmm. here. You know, guys deploy all over the world for six, seven months at a time. Um, you know, if you're near a special ops place, man, they deploy at a moment's notice for a couple of weeks, a couple of months at a time. Rarely will they be gone for you know six months or a year, but they just go all the time with no notice and can't tell their families where they're going or what they're doing. And so, again, all of these have unique challenges and unique opportunities that uh, that really the church. First, the church planter, but then the whole church needs to embrace, get behind, and see how the gospel um, penetrates that. Mm-hmm. See how the gospel can be a help for the burdens, and see yep. how the gospel can be advanced through the opportunities. So.
0: Well, and it it impacts your strategy because you know one mm-hmm. of the things we're learning is, uh, Pillar Dumfries, for example, you know is outside of Marine Corps Base Quantico. They've got you know they they do really well with their small groups, right? And you've got um, uh, you've got Families who live, you know, in military communities who live, uh, you know, on base, and you know their their you know neighbors are all military, uh, and so there's kind of this shared culture and this shared identity there, and so it just makes. Small groups much more likely to come together and happen because they're you know with the shared culture and the shared identity people really come together. What we're finding in D.C. is that that's not the case. You know we're an extremely transient city, and even the military personnel that we do have, they're all over. Some of them are at Joint Base Andrews, some of them are at uh, you know or at uh, Air Force and Air, Andrews Air Force Base. Some of them are at uh, Joint Base Anacostia Bowling. Some of them are at the Pentagon. Some are at Eighth and I. Some at the Navy Yard. You've got people all over the place and so we found that it's you know and 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 a lot of people come into dc during the day and then they leave um you know later on uh in the evening and they go into the suburbs and we found that you know probably the most like the most effective way for us is that small groups just aren't you know clicking and gelling and so we really kind of zeroed in on personal discipleship uh relationships and so like we use a pathway called stages and right now we are hyper focused On building a, you know, basically a discipleship tree. And, you know, we've just got, you know, people meeting up all throughout the city uh, and these discipleship meetups all week. Uh, And it's something that we're really going to kind of hone in on. And we found that, you know, whereas that might not work great in Dumfries, it works really well for us here.
2: I think it's a great, I think it's a great word just for any of our listeners that are planting a church or thinking about planting churches and you know, they're trying to figure out, I'm, I'm hearing more and more of this language across church planning in general, even across denominations where guys are feeling like they have more freedom just to say, Hey, you know, small groups aren't working for me, or this isn't working for us or how we're doing worship on Sunday mornings. It's not working for us. We thought it was going to do this and being able to have the flexibility and the freedom and the spirit to say, We're just going to move. We're going to pivot. We're going to do what God's telling us to do right now, like unapologetically and and unashamedly. And we don't have to do it like we've always done it. We don't have to do it like this church says that you're supposed to do it. And it's okay. And you know, every church should have essentially a, a, a basic ecclesiology where these things should be taking place, right? Based on your convictions and of course, through the word of God. But outside of that, who says you have to do it this way or that way, right? I mean, yeah. it, and I think that's where we're unified around the same things, but we don't have to all look the same way. You know, yeah. you say to some people, we're going to stop doing small groups. and I know that's not what you said, but you say to some people, we're going to not focus on small groups and we're going to focus on this instead And people are like you, you got to have small groups. If you don't have small groups, you're not a real church, you know? And it's like, time out, man. You're not, you're not leading in, this congregation, you don't see. You're not on the ground. You're not. Wait for it, in the trenches. Ah,
0: I see you're right? sitting
2: there, and it's <laughs> so, so like, so, like you, you can't really speak in to what we're trying to do here. Yep, and yep. I, I think that you have to in a place in a place like Jacksonville, North Carolina, Washington D.C., Oceanside, California. K Bay, Hawaii, wherever it is, there's no way it's all gonna look the same. I was coaching a planner in Hawaii last year. Man, that people's like, ooh, I want to plant a church in Hawaii. And this dude's like, no, you don't. Because like they it's same with Japan, right? I mean, they they have so there is some dark strongholds in those places, man. And you're dealing with like ancestral worship, you're dealing with some wicked things that people have no idea what you're trying to work through. So before you sign up for something just because of the view, you actually need to understand the context. Yeah. And I that's what I want our listeners to hear. That's why this is a bigger yeah. conversation just military churches.
1: Yeah. So I got an analogy for that that uh I, I got. So um <sighs> I was reading a book as I was preparing to go. Uh, I did provisional infantry in Iraq. Uh, So we were meeting with locals, patrolling through the town. And so I was reading a lot of books on fighting a counterinsurgency and uh, Mm. and these types of things. And and one of the articles or books or somewhere, I need to go find where I stole this from um, and and just applied it to ministry and church planting. But uh, the analogy was American football versus soccer. And so uh, one of our problems as Americans is we watch a lot of American football and, man, love American football. But if you think about like what the coaches are doing in an American football system, they show up with their playbook. They show up with their system and they recruit or get the general manager to recruit, depending on if you're talking about college or pro. But, but they are they are very active. They are very involved in their system in running their plays in the scheme. If you look on the sideline during a game, the coaches are very, very active. They are calling in plays. They are looking at pictures from upstairs. They are talking to the players on the field up until, what is it, 10 seconds uh, left in the play clock. The communication shuts off. But the coach is talking to the quarterback or the middle linebacker or whoever as the game is happening. Mm. think about soccer, soccer, you have, uh, or football, what the rest of the world calls football. Um, you have the coaches during, they don't call it practice. They call it training sessions. Uh, And so they're doing training sessions and they are working on skills and player development and tactics and those types of things so that they can make decisions on the fly. And if you look during the game, uh, the coaches, the managers, they're sitting in like lounge chairs. I don't know if you've watched a soccer game recently, Mm -hmm. but like the chairs, they don't, they're not even standing up most of the time. They're sitting down with their legs crossed in like a very nice, comfortable chair watching the game and they'll get up every once in a while and yell at the referee or tell a guy to switch or whatever, but um, they're, they're just really passive during the game. And so I think a lot of times in church planting, we tell, we give guys the playbook and we say, you need to do this. You need to uh, do this and do that and do this and do that. But instead what we need to do is train them to think, train them to look at their community, train them to learn their community and find those types of things instead of saying, put the pulpit here preach this type of sermon series you know like uh we gotta we gotta train these skills yeah. and, and help them grow in those skills instead of just giving them the playbook man that's good
0: that's good stuff so Dude. watch more
1: soccer i know y'all are football fans watch yeah. more soccer
0: yeah I, don't, I just don't know if i can do it
2: man
1: it's just in not our, interesting In our
2: network up here man we we have internationals and they love love soccer and i just can't get into it man
1: if you love jesus and you love the missions yeah you will, you will watch more soccer i, I can tell <laughs> you to watch more soccer wow. it is a, it is one of the man. few worldwide sports it, uh, is. it is it is one of the few places uh that the world comes together yeah um, it's and- true the ball is actually in play most of the game, whereas yeah. football, you're actually watching replays as much as you're watching actual plays. But, yeah. Which man? There's an analogy for the church, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. More time watching replays than we do actually doing the work of the ministry. Oh, come on, man! That's good. That's, good. that's a good one. That's good.
2: Yeah, if, you've been uh, re- you've been rebuked. <laughs> watch soccer. listeners watch soccer. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's gonna be a tough one for me to obey because it's just hard for me to. It's hard for me to get get into soccer, man. I, I don't have any. Thankfully, you know,
1: there's no biblical command, Brian. There is no there. biblical I, command. It's not, a, I did not say a. Thus saith the Lord. That's true, Brian. <laughs> this is <from> Brian. cool. <laughs> It's funny.
0: Well, Brian, man, hey, uh, I just want to thank you for coming on and uh, spending some time with us, uh, just talking about church planting and sharing your story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I hope this has been uh, helpful for our listeners. I know it's been helpful for me. Uh, it's just encouraging uh, for me to to hear. And uh, man, we uh, we appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we hope hopefully yeah. uh, we'll be able to have you on again at some point.
2: Man, dude, we want to say, we want to say thank you for your service, brother. Thank you for all those, all those sacrifices to deploy that many times and to serve and lead men. And that's not an easy thing. And man, I just, uh, I'm, I'm uh, thankful for your service and, and how you're leading in Christ, man. And it's, you're on the front lines in so many ways and uh, man, praise God. It's been a great time having you.
1: Amen. Great time. Uh, Appreciate you guys. Appreciate the podcast and uh, love what y'all are doing to uh, try to help guys. I think a lot of times church planters uh, feel like, thankfully, we're getting away from this, but like, you know, using this terminology, just I parachuted in and it was just me. Yeah, You know, even just this podcast is helping come around guys so that uh, that's not the story uh, moving forward. Thanks, good. brother. Thanks for that.
0: Well, hey, we want to thank our listeners for tuning in to another episode of In the Trenches. Make sure you head on over to www.getinthetrenches.com and you can find links to all of our other episodes. We are, Matt, we are uh, inching our way towards 100 episodes, bro. It's insane, um, it's man. It's crazy, it's not it's, it? It's, a,
2: it's, it's, it's really insane. Yeah. It's so good though. It I mean, is. I feel like uh, man, those words are very humbling to hear from Brian, but it's good to hear from you listeners to how these episodes are helping you and when, when Jared had the vision for this and came to me man this was his heart and this is my heart we just want to help people on the on the front lines of church planning not in this am, ambiguous you know theoretical world but guys who are got their hands in the dirt And, um, and yeah, it's God's, God's got his hand on it, man. It's been encouraging.
0: Amen. Yeah. We love talking to guys like Brian who do have their hands in the dirt and, you know, we always want to learn from people who are, you know, who, who are quote unquote, you know, experts or whatever. I mean, that's always good, but, um, I, I think that, you know, some of the best people to learn from a lot of times are people that, you know, uh, you, you might not know their names. Uh, they might not be, you know, famous and writing church planning books and they might not have a doctorate, uh, in ministry like Matt Hess, but uh, they are. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> but they're but they're they're doing they're doing the the heavy lifting in the trenches and seeing fruit and yeah so yeah so practitioners um, man practitioners yep, that's right hey make sure you guys uh, if you haven't um, go on over to iTunes or Spotify or whatever platform you listen to us mm-hmm. on and hit that subscribe button five and stars only yes five star ratings only please um, if you're not gonna re- leave a five star rating then just don't leave one because uh, that's not helpful for us uh, <laughs> but if you do leave a five star rating in a review it'll help just uh, it. It helps increase the exposure of in the trenches so that when people search for church planning podcasts, they'll find ours. And if you think that ours is helpful, then we would love for you to help us do that. So thank you guys for tuning in. And we're going to be back next Monday with another episode of in the trenches. So until then go out there and get in those trenches, church planners.